You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Create Photography Retreat. We are so excited to be part of the Create Photography Retreat again in 2020. It's being held in beautiful Greenville, South Carolina, October 14th to 17th. All of the fall colors are going to be breathtaking. It's going to be so much fun. A few of you wonderful master photography listeners have already taken the plunge and invested in yourself. We're so excited to meet you there. For the rest of you listening, still tickets available, and we'd love to have the retreat filled with listeners of master photography. Be sure to hit the link in the show notes to get 10% off your ticket price. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all in the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and I'm joined by Connor Hibbs. What's up, Connor? Hey, man, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. (laughs) (laughs) I will put at the end of the show a little blooper because something crazy just happens. You gotta really have to listen to the end of the show now. Yeah, yeah, well worth listening to at the end there. (laughs) We'll say we just had to restart the podcast for a reason. Like, we we do this in one take all the time, and we just had to restart. So, yeah, I'll put it at the end (laughs) as a blooper thing, like, after everything, after the music and everything, I'll put it at the end. But Perfect. Wow, crazy. Okay, so crazy time. We live in Connor. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Crazy times. Um, yeah, with, with everything going on. We don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on other things in the in this yeah. episode. There's plenty of places where you're getting the latest information about all the things that are going on in the world. We want you all to be safe out there. But uh, and we have a, an idea of something that we think is going to be helpful at the end of the show. We're going to talk about yeah. a photo contest that we're going to run and how you can enter and how you can participate. So stick around all the way. Uh, to the end of the show before the closing <laughs> sound for the photo contest stuff. And then if you wanted to hear the blooper, oh man. Okay, go go to the very, very end. Uh, yeah, totally. In this episode, we want to talk about the anatomy of a portrait shoot. And it's, it's more than one. It's a few that Connor has done recently. But uh, you've been able to do some like creative shoots, right, Connor? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I just was taking kind of inventory of the work that I did this last year and realized that I only, I only had a handful of personal or like portfolio worthy shoots, um, that I did at all last year, just between being focused on school, focused on running my day to day of my business. Um, I, I just didn't do anything that was like fun personal work. And so a goal that I had this year, it's not like a hard New Year's resolution, but I just was trying to push myself to get at least one shoot in a month that was of a personal project type nature. So these these are the first two months worth of personal projects that we're going to be talking about today. Wow, um, that's a massive a goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it, it, it's not like I'm trying to do huge productions or anything, but it's just, it's hard to find time in your day sometimes when when you're so busy with everything else, taking time to do something that is just for personal enjoyment, personal enrichment, and not just the shoot, but the edits and everything else. Um, it's, it's, it is a big goal for everything that I have going on in my life right now, but it's something that I think is really important, um, to, to help me in my growth as a photographer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You say it's not a huge setup, but these images look like it was a huge setup. (laughs) We'll we'll go with that. Sure. (laughs) Uh, Which is excellent. I mean, that, that's what I really want to get through. Um, We're going to share the images in the show notes. We'll have some, some nice images of this that you can look at. 
by the way, I tried embedding some images into the MP3 because you can do that kind of. Yeah, into the. It just doesn't work very well across most players, and then it takes a lot of extra time. So I'm not going to do that. Just go to the show notes so you can see the images as we are walking through them or afterwards after the, the show so you can see it. But uh, we'll do our best to try to describe these. And But, Connor, I want to I go through several things about each one of these shoots. Yeah. I want to go through uh, how you got connected with the model that you're shooting. I want okay. to talk about the backgrounds because there's some interesting backgrounds here that, that I, that's part of what appeals to me is these are different than your normal backgrounds. Yeah. And then the lighting and maybe some of the camera settings too, how you approach the shoot uh, from the, the, just the pure camera perspective as well. So totally. All right. So let's do that. Um, let's start with this. The first one, I don't know if these are in chronological order, but let's start with the first one. Um, and tell me about you see them in our show notes as we're talking about this on the show. Yeah. Describe. So tell me about this client and how you guys got connected. Yeah. So um, this actually this isn't a client per se. This was um, a swap session that I did. The the person that is in these photos is Johnny Edward. Um, listeners of past episodes of the Portrait Session podcast know him as kind of a fashion photographer here in Denver. He's a, a really standard up guy who also does a lot of self-portraiture and knows how to work in front of the camera obviously um, yes <laughs> yeah like he's he's a it helps that he's a very handsome guy that has uh, he's he's just covered in tattoos but like in a really cool way um kindest gentlest person ever and so he and i have have been trying to get together we, we've met up a couple of times just in person to chat, but we've been meaning to get together to shoot something. And it just happened to work out that I had this event um, that I was shooting that was six minutes away from where his studio is. Uh. And the day before, maybe it was two days before I was shooting that event, he messaged me and was just like, hey man, my week is kind of free. Do you have any free time this week? And I was like, funny story. <laughs> I will be right around the corner from you and don't have to be to this thing until 5 PM. It was, it was a, a like dinner event that I was shooting. Um, so, so this was actually his setup, his backdrop that he has. Um, and he had just gotten this, this carpet, but we, we just kind of discussed, all right, wardrobe, what kind of things are we trying to go for? And we both kind of landed on wanting something of warmer tones. Um, I, uh, my, profile photo on um on facebook anyway i don't know if it is on instagram as well but the photo that i have of myself on there is the first time i've ever not had a selfie uh -huh, right. um, it is it is a portrait that he took of me right. in front of this same backdrop um which i actually uh, i might include that in the show notes as sure, well to yeah, yeah. compare and contrast our just the way that lighting itself can actually affect the look of a set because it looks very different than the way that i've shot it right. here um but yeah, so so this is an, a fellow photographer, and it, it was purely like an, a creative exchange, and that's and, how I met up. And how did you come to even know him as a photographer? Did you see him on Instagram, or how did you discover each other? Yeah, you, you know, um, I he started following me actually probably six years ago, um, and at the time he was he was shooting all just natural light. Um, I, I think he would not even be offended if I said like he was not that solid of a photographer. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. and, but we, we just had a couple of interactions here and there. He asked me a few questions about lighting and was one of those people that you'll see that just threw his entire life into photography. Uh -huh. Um, 
and just over the years we've kind of just been in touch here and there and um commenting on each other's work he's he's a very responsive guy he always will reply to any comment so he's pretty easy to um at least get some sort of interaction back and forth with on on social media um but just it, I, I don't really know what the initial impetus was to like have serious conversations about meeting up beyond just having this kind of mutual following for years uh-huh, right okay but mostly on instagram then <laughs> yeah yeah mostly on instagram we're, we're friends on facebook as well but i i think that he makes a, he makes a lot of his posts to um, flatter the Instagram layout and gotcha. everything. Right, right. It, it, you know, he does what a lot of us do and um, kind of cross posts everything, but it's definitely directed towards his Instagram. Gotcha. Very cool. Okay, so um, background. Tell me about yes. this. This all are all of the shots across all of these shoots at the same studio location. No. So okay. so. Um, the ones of Johnny are at at Johnny's studio. Okay. Um, this this is another fun thing because this is the first time I've ever actually gone in and shot at another photographer's studio that was not set up specifically for renting out to other photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is the first time I've worked in a studio that was just using his lights, his setup, and everything. And part of the the exercises that we had was that we wanted to. Uh, both shoot with each other's lighting a bit, okay, um, or or just kind of compare the way that our our lighting techniques were. So by by these two photos that we've um, we have in the show notes of this shoot, um, we were into the area of me just shooting my lighting setup um, instead of shooting his lighting setup. Um, but yeah, the, these two were in in his studio space. Gotcha. Okay. Um, All right. Good. So. Um... The background is kind of a, I don't know, a, a brown color. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. It's um. Sorry, I forgot that that was part of the question that you asked. Yeah, the the background is a a canvas backdrop, um, that has it has a little bit of dappling, um, uh-huh. and a vignette to it. It's it's actually a much lighter color than what you see here. I ended up placing my light pretty close to Johnny to get. Um, a more dramatic fall off. So it get, goes into this like darker, richer brown. It was really more of like a tan if you were just looking at it okay. um, in normal light. Okay. And then is he standing on a rug? Yes. Uh, that that was an uh, this oriental rug that he said that he got at um, a thrift store the day before. He said he found <laughs> wow. it for, for like $10 and knew that that was a great deal for a rug. It was not, it's not huge. It's maybe a five foot by seven foot rug. Um, but just just really felt like it complemented the warm tones. Um, that was the rug was actually kind of the impetus for everything. The, okay. the whole concept of using warmer tones in general came from. All right, well, I have this rug. Look at the colors that are in it. I have we could we could do something that's like kind of a complementary color that's a gray blue as a backdrop, or I have a brown, and I was like, let's let's move towards just all right. kind of these brownish tones, well, especially with the clothing. Then, so that's it's really interesting. He's got a, a shirt on that is looks very oriental to me as well. Yes, yeah, it, it's a very intricate, uh, like silky fabric that's kind of I don't know feathery. Has a lot of gold orange yellow tones and as much as i would love to take credit for having found this wardrobe it was it was just one of a handful of pieces so i directed him where i said all right i want this as one of the things that you wear Um, but this is just stuff that he owns he has um, a a really high fashion but eclectic taste in in clothing 
And yeah. I wish that I could be as well dressed as. And then man, the but... thing that really kind of makes it—I don't think it would work nearly as well—is the scarf. If he didn't yeah, have the, the scarf the... on, that would be—it would not be nearly as compelling an image. No, I, I I absolutely agree. It's it's a darker kind of a more chocolatey toned with like a. It, an orangey undertone to it that just kind of plays off of the scarf again just wardrobe that he happened to have um but things that i was looking for in pulling things together so he you know he had his options laid out of what kind of wardrobe to pull and i i chose these things together i think he probably intended for them to go together but um just just seeing the way that they play together together in color tone um it just it works with everything i don't know yeah it does it's it's really a compelling image as far as how the wardrobe and the backgrounds come together and and that's i think one of the places where i personally can have a lot more development is yeah. is figuring out how to pull together these kinds of things and uh it, i i really want to do some shoots like this so i can do something similar uh, <clears throat> and produce the, sorry produce these kinds of images but okay so so we we've you've really worked hard to get a background and you've, you clearly put thought into the environment to matching the wardrobe and what's going on there. That's kind of what makes these images more compelling because not most portraits don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and that's, that's something that's uh, honestly, I, I can't say that I have tons and tons of experience doing myself like this, this whole swap shoot um, really was illuminating for me, not in terms of the lighting the setups, things like that, but just, um, it, it was really fun working with another photographer who was of of a skill set. I would say that he's a better photographer than I am. Um, but working with another photographer who whose focus is entirely different. Um, he the way that Johnny worked was through the whole session with me. He kind of set his lights in one place, dialed them in really quickly, and then everything was about like, okay, let's get wardrobe exactly right. Let's get the set exactly right. Let's let's work on posing. And his entire focus was on um, all of the visual elements within there, which makes sense. He's a he's a fashion photographer, yeah, right. so, so he's that really helps. he's yeah. going to be really detail oriented in that side. Where I tend to be very much on the other side of all right, like your wardrobe can be whatever it is. Like, let's find a backdrop backdrop that's going to work with it. Um, but all of my attention is on like, okay, let's play with our lighting and find cool different ways to do things. Um, and, and this was a really cool lesson for me in just, Oh man, like it's the details really do make so much of a difference. Yeah. And I mean, some, some of the more ornate dressing and stuff like that's something that I would not have had in a regular shoot, something that not, not just because of this shoot, but I've been practicing for the last few years is I will tell any client that comes in, bring a lot of stuff, like bring, (laughs) bring an outfit or two that you are pretty sure you want to use. Um, but also bring other options. And then I try to choose the outfits where I'll say, okay, like I want, I want this, I want that. Like just starting to get in the practice of what stuff looks good together. How can you make those decisions? I really do think that that helps to uh, elevate a portrait a lot. Those details matter a lot. And obviously this session was a lot more successful because I had somebody that was there that had an eye for that and an additional attention to detail that I could kind of mirror those practices with. Yeah. Very cool. And he's a cool character, like you said, and it's, this isn't your average person either that he's, he's a very different looking guy and and that's awesome. It's, it's really interesting kind of perspective makes you really like, look at this photo and like, what is going on in this photo? This is really cool. Yeah. And dive into the photo. So that's, that's awesome. 
it's it's work that maybe not the best work I've ever done, but at the same time, there's there's something that feels very different from what I would yeah, normally yeah, do. And, sure. and I, I'm sure anybody out there shooting knows that feeling of being like, oh, I've done something cool, and it's not just the thing that I would normally think to do. That's right. a, that's a great feeling to have. Yeah, going into like a a new area of creativity and. And getting there and doing something different too that's not like everything else it's it's awesome okay so lighting wise you said you put yes. you put the light really close was it one light yeah um so okay no it was not one light okay it was two lights um so so on my camera right side probably 15 or so feet away um i had a large parabolic umbrella for a while um i'm trying to remember at what point in the set eventually the um the the lights that Johnny was using um, and I was using through this were battery pack type lights. I don't remember exactly what brand they were, um, but eventually the light that I had on that was being used as fill on the camera right side of the face um, died out, and then I brought in a reflector instead. The dip, the I brought in the reflector to essentially look exactly the same as that second light, so it it doesn't make that big of a right, difference right. between one or the other. Okay. Um, but I had technically two light sources, even if you're talking about a reflector, right. um, one for fill on the camera right side, and then one fairly close, probably within about four feet of of Johnny on the camera right side. And did you? Oh wait, um, I got all my camera left and camera rights there mixed camera up. Camera left on the, I, on the main light. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Thank and you. and did you when you're positioning the light? Did you get it as close as you could without having to be in the frame? Was that your goal there? That's that's generally my goal. I actually think that I had this light a little bit further away. You can see in this first image um, that is his full body that I wanted some light to still be making it down to his feet. Right. Um, so it, it was not quite as close as I might do if I was doing a tighter crop. Um, I wanted some light to still be hitting his legs and, and the lower half of his body and not have it completely fall off into shadow. So um, it, it was actually a little bit further outside of, of the frame than I might normally do okay. um, for, for an image otherwise. And was it, did it have a softbox modifier? What was the modifier on that? Um, we were using the biggest glow parapop okay. on on there so uh, a giant circular modifier gotcha. on that okay and uh you know the power levels really don't matter because it's different on all these yeah it's, it's all relative to <laughs> what you need in your right. camera settings good lesson for everybody um there is no set power level on your light never nope. just just dial it into what your camera settings are where you want them yeah exactly and, and the effect you want so okay super yeah. cool i love it um how about height wise how did you determine like you knew you wanted to hit, make sure his his legs got some light too so is it like, do you start off, though, with, like, the bottom of the modifier being even with their eyes or the top of the modifier? How do you kind of start the positioning and change it? That's that's a, that's a really awesome question. Yeah, um, it's I actually pay attention to the middle of my modifier because that's where the actual light source yes, right. inside the modifier is. So you're always going to have a little bit of a hotter spot in that middle. Um I, I generally try to pos position the middle of my light somewhere between a foot and, say, three feet above the head, just depending on the size and depth of of the modifier. So with this, this modifier, it was pretty large. Um, so I had the center of the modifier probably about a foot above his head, which means the light itself was maybe two and a half. So with that, it, it was angled downward a bit to yes, be able to yeah. direct the light uh, down to him. 
in, in fact, it, it seems like a weird thing to be paying attention to, but all of these things really make a big difference in your work. I, I've actually kind of shifted over the last year or so to doing a lot more angled stuff with my light. So I used to shoot with my light essentially um, level and flat, Great. shooting kind of across, and I would put that a little bit higher than eye level, where now I, I use it at quite a steep angle and and shoot downwards. I, I just like the way that the light feathers around a person's face, um, and right. it kind of takes that hot spot off of the middle of the face a little bit better, Perfect. I find. Right, right. Okay, so I chose one other image. There were several <clears throat> to choose yeah. from that you shared on Instagram, but I chose one other just to show kind of a, a slightly different look, but the same shoot. Yeah. Um, little tighter shot that's uh, like waist up. And so t tell me uh, what changed as you went to do this one. So so with this one, I wanted a similar look to what I was shooting before. I kind of wanted these to, to feel cohesive. Um, but because I was shooting a little bit of a, a tighter crop. I actually brought the light in a little bit closer mm -hmm. to him and then turned the power of that light down. So I kept my camera settings the same, uh, but when you bring a light in closer, it's going to become brighter. It's going to be more intense because you have more light hitting the subject. Um, but still just kind of at a high angle, a few feet above it. Positioning wise, I kind of just adjusted to keep it in roughly the same position that it was um, just really playing with a change in the degree to which the fall off occurred on his body. Right. And then the angle of his head is, makes it more interesting too. I love that. I love how that's there. His head is not straight up and down. Like you see on so almost every, <laughs> every portrait <laughs> you'll see ever, he has it kind of tilted just a, a bit and it just adds a lot of interest. I mean, you, it's already interesting than more interesting than the average portrait because we still have the interesting shirt and the, the scarf and you got a, a tannish kind of darker tan kind of background. So it's, it's a really different setup right from the beginning and then yeah. the tilted head, it makes it look different. And, and I would love to take credit for having told him to do this. Um, honestly, one of the, the notes that I gave him, um, or one of the things that we kind of talked about together was, okay, I, I, we both wanted to work with a person. Um, we wanted each other to act as if we knew what we were doing, like right. we were models. Right. Um, but we wanted to act as if we were shooting with a non-photographer. So, so what I told him is, Hey, like, you, you know how to pose. I don't want to have to overcoach you. Um, I will tell you if I see something that you're doing that I like, that I want you to, that, to change, enhance, retry, but otherwise I want you to move a lot. And I, I think that that's actually a, a really good note to give even to people who are uncomfortable and don't know posing in front of the camera. I will oftentimes coach people a little bit in the beginning to show them exactly what good poses look like. But then after that, I will say, hey, you know what's going to look the most natural is if you fall into a position on your own. So I want you between each shot to just try moving little things here and there. And, and people that are not models, people that are not used to being in front of the camera will do smaller movements. They won't move quite as much. They won't try bold new things. Um, but you can get a much more natural look out of things if you do that. So in this instance, I know that I told him to turn his body. I know that I told him to do something playing with the scarf. And then I wanted him to adjust his head around. Mm -hmm. But I did not say, okay, I want you your head tilted <laughs> right. exactly this angle looking right at me. It's more just when you're seeing something saying, okay, I want your eyes towards me. Or you know what, with the rest of your body, I want eyes away. Things like that are, are really kind of the way in which I like to pose. I don't like to be overly confrontational about I want exactly this it's more let this 
happen organically and let the person move in a way that feels comfortable to them. Right, right. So, and the thing, the other, now the, the most striking thing to me of this image, the, the clothing, the head tilt to stuff draws you in. That makes you like, look at this image more than Pat. Like it's a stop on Instagram, right? <laughs> you're yeah. scrolling on Instagram. You're like, whoa, wait, what is that? This is one of those things that'll do that. Well, thanks for saying that. That's very kind. <laughs> Which is what you're going for as a photographer, obviously. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. But then the thing that makes me just stay in the photo is the shadows on his face. Yeah. It's, it's incredible the way that it really outlines like the jawline and just it it adds such a dramatic feel. If it wasn't there, this wouldn't be the same photo. It wouldn't be as, no. nearly as good. No, not at all. And and that's something that, um, well, I, I mean, I, I feel like listeners know that I like playing with light. Right, right. And, and my lighting position. That's um, with this image and the other one. Um, I think it's important to note that I had the light off axis. So it wasn't flat directly in front of me. I, I had it, as I said, off to camera right. It was off to camera left. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> At, at somewhere around a 45 degree angle um, for a lot of this session, I was kind of playing with the light between a 90 degree angle from where I was standing to about a 45 degree. And um, I, I played around between that kind of split light position with him turned towards, towards the light and just being more confrontational directly for forward towards me, such as this image um, with it being somewhere in that 45 degree. It's, it's, an open loop pattern. If you're familiar with your lighting patterns, um, I'm not going for a full Rembrandt, but it's just enough to add shadows on the other side of the node. Really knows add just dimension to the face. Yeah, uh, it's lo- it's beautiful. I just I really love that uh, the mood that comes from having those shadows there, and uh, you know I think it's just a, a mistake photographers make, and maybe that's the look that they need. You know, it, this really might not be totally a look you'd want on a corporate headshot for example sure those those need to be flatter cleaner just more professional look you know we all have this image in our heads of what a professional corporate headshot should look like and that that's not this this is very different from that yeah but definitely so much more compelling (laughs) it's so much more compelling (laughs) well it you know your your purpose is different for something like this like you're trying to to draw the viewer in and make them feel an emotion versus a corporate headshot you're going for a different emotion even if it's um i I mean maybe if you're doing something that was like law offices or something like that it was like i want to be serious and stern and create a mood (laughs) because i'm going to be here to fight for you then you could maybe do something like this for a a headshot for a law office but in general this is definitely supposed to be more emotive and dramatic than it is um i'm your friendly neighborhood so-and-so right okay let's move on to it's, it looks like it's probably another shoot. It's certainly another model. Yes. It, yes. Are the next four images that I have up, are they all from the same shoot? Yes. All four of these are, are from the same shoot. Um, this is this is the first one that I did this year. And this is a... So this was technically a client shoot. Um, this was not just purely personal project, but it's a client that I've worked with before. Okay. Um, and he kind of gave me free reign to do what I wanted with it. I, He's um, this guy is a rapper. Um, I met up with him when I did a trip to Los Angeles two years ago, and um, he happened to be coming through. He was recording with a good buddy of mine who who does that kind of thing Uh Um, and dropped me a line when he was in town that he wanted to get some new promotional photos that he could use. Um, And 
just kind of left it up to me. He he brought his wardrobe. I just told him bring as much stuff as you can possibly carry, um, and we'll we'll figure out wardrobe outfits and stuff like that. Um, cool. As as we're going through, yeah. Okay, so this is in your studio now. Yes, this is this is in my studio With now. Your lights, <laughs> my lights, <laughs> um, my my backdrop papers. Okay, so let's start with with well, uh, you, you explained how you got connected with the model. So now, backgrounds. This one's uh, the first couple that I have in the show notes. I have a, a very red background, so that's red paper. Yes, yeah, it's it's a red paper. I I don't know exactly the color. It's a savage backdrop paper that. Um, Actually, it's it's another photographer that's in our studio, a buddy of mine, Andre, who um, was gifted probably six or seven rolls of oh, colored paper. Okay, and um, I've I, this is you mentioned at the beginning that hey, like this looks like different than what you normally shoot, right? And that's been one of the things that I've been trying to creatively push myself to do is using color in my backdrops and and experimenting with not just the exact same lighting setups right. over and over right. um, as much as I love that I can replicate and be consistent in a look it gets boring to shoot especially when you're doing a lot of that kind of stuff over and over and over again and this this was just one way where it doesn't have to be a big creative difference from what I used to do it's just try shooting on a color right see what you can do instead and and that will force a lot of different changes in the way that you work because you're doing something different right it, and i love that i love doing something different get out of your safe space and that helps you learn it helps you really grow you can create an eye for doing something and it produces work that's different it's going to make people stop on instagram yeah <laughs> that is a Hopefully. big deal that's, that to is make the people goal. stop on instagram and here yeah. i am talking about instagram and i don't hardly use it at all but, <laughs> but me know, neither but still <laughs> but i know that 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 is a, a really important thing okay so and and one thing that i just wanted to suggest for listeners who were like okay i just i don't want to go buy a whole roll of red paper because <laughs> that's yeah. expensive and I will like almost never use it. Another suggestion for getting a different color background, if you use a light gray color and then gel your flashes, you can get a massive amount of color in the background of whatever your, yeah. your gel of your flashes. Personally, I, I'm really partial to Savage's Thunder Gray. It's more of a medium gray tone. Right. Um, it's something that you could very easily pull a person away from and get a black color. Um, for the backdrop, but also is is light enough that it takes color from gels really, really well. Right. It, and it's amazing. Gray is the total difference. Like white will not produce the colors as good. And black, of course, just eats color up. So um, so the, it, the gray is the key to making it so that the gels really show up well. And you can totally see this in Photoshop. If you make a background in Photoshop that is white and then overlay a color on top of it, use layers, add a layer, a solid color layer, and then make overlay the, the blend mode on the top layer, try white as a background and light gray or middle gray as a background. And you, you'll be able to see the difference. It is a massive amount of difference about how that works. And it's going to work exactly the same in the real world. Light gray, just it, it makes it so you can actually get colors in the background. It's really, really cool. It's a nice effect. And something in, I in fact, I, I have a shoot that I shot just this last Saturday um, that I, I didn't shoot anything on a medium gray, but it is a great example of using gels to get colors. I'm, I'm going to send you a link to this really quickly here. Okay. Jeff. All right. Very good. Uh, while you're doing that, then. 
uh, multitasking as we're, <laughs> as we're recording our podcast here. Um, <laughs> all right. So we have the, the red paper and it looks like you, uh, on the second shot, you like dragged the paper way down and, and, uh, had him lay down on the paper so that the paper, the, the floor is also red. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so this one was very much, um, something that I had not tried ever before. So in general, I like to sweep my backdrops down. Um, so they, they, you know, you have some floor that the person can stand on and the backdrop behind them in case I shoot wide that way I, I have them actually standing on the same color. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I pulled this, this paper all the way back and I don't, I don't remember why I told him to lay down. I think he was, he was doing some things that were like squatting uh-huh. and then I was like, okay, sit down. And so he was sitting down and then I was like, okay, I want you to now lay, lean back. So it was kind of just an organic progression into this um, laying down position. But in doing that, man, that, that was a serious challenge for lighting because it's, um, I've never shot a person right, laying, laying down on the ground, <laughs> laying perpendicular to my camera. And as such, figuring out my lighting was kind of a challenge. I wanted, um, you can see this shadow that's like right below where his head is. I didn't want him to lean his head all the way down where it looked like he was laying. I wanted it to be almost like he was floating, but not quite. Uh-huh. And um, as such, I wanted that shadow there. I, I was kind of lighting directly over him, but it in most situations from the position of the lighting, I would be up lighting his face. I would be lighting from underneath his chin almost. And when I was first starting to shoot this, I was doing too much of that. So I had to just really play with moving the light back and forth as it hovered over him um, to get it right in the right spot. It took, it really took some dialing in to get to a place that I was happy with, with these, but um, well, okay. So, so uh, red, red background. Um, and then let's go back to the first one as far as the lighting goes. We talked about the background yeah. now. So lighting on the first one looks like you have a key light on the right. Is it yes. in the softbox? Um, yeah, it, was, it would have been my uh, large 60-inch Octabox from Paul Buff. Okay. And uh, as close as you could get without being in the frame again? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I had it fairly close for this one. In fact, I'm, I'm almost positive that I had it in the frame because this is a horizontal frame. Um, that, that top right corner is almost certainly something that I've replaced in there. Right, right. Um, in, in Photoshop. Sure. So I, I do a lot of that. I end up catching my corners oh, and my yeah. softbox in a lot. Right. Um, I, I got confirmation when I was shooting with Johnny. He was like, yeah, you put your lights a lot closer to people than I've ever seen anybody do. <laughs> so, and it's that. kind of a key to get that, to get the look that where you, you can still have shadows, but ha- but see the detail. Yeah, see that. see that detail and, and super wrapping light. I've, yeah. I, in general, I've been doing a lot of key light to one side with a fill on the other side. I don't think I was doing that with this one. I'm pretty sure... Um, like 99% sure that this was a single light setup that I was shooting at this moment. All right. Very good. And then height wise, kind of the same. You put the, you started at the middle of the modifier, even with his eyes. That right. And but pointed. Yeah. Probably six inches higher than, than where his eyes are. Um, Especially with this, we were talking all about head tilts earlier. Here's another head head tilt photo. Um, but probably about six inches higher than where his eyes would be if his head was just straight looking on at camera. Okay, and you already brought up the lighting on the second one. Did you have to use a C stand in order to get it in position so it was directly over him? 
Yes. Yeah. I, I used a C stand and I, I have a savage boom arm that is just a big beefy sucker okay. that um, I was able to, to boom it out over. It's a giant, pretty heavy modifier and a light. I'm always wary when putting a light directly over a client um, because I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've definitely had modifiers fall off the lights before, <laughs> right. especially if it's at a steeper angle where the grip is not as tight um, and just moving it. I've had them fall off. So I, I was pretty careful in moving it in closer yeah, to them, yeah. but um, definitely had it on a C stand, probably with a sandbag because I usually use sandbags yeah. for anything that's um, going to throw off from that center of balance right. a little. Right. Okay. Very cool. I, I love that. Um, how long let's let's talk lengthwise because i just i think some need to be prepared for how long it takes to do something like this how long did it take from like we have the the wardrobe chosen or maybe even before that when you started yeah. on your with the first images that we went through you, you're like starting the shoot and maybe t going through wardrobe stuff to getting some of these images and being done how what was the duration so so from from the first shoot of johnny um we had two hours in total and we split that pretty evenly. So, so I had probably an hour total to work with him um, for this individual setup and, and wardrobe and everything. I was probably going from deciding wardrobe to getting close to these shots within um, five minutes. Okay. 10 minutes. Um, it, you know, I, I spend a lot of time dialing things in and then once I'm there, I, I, I'll spend a lot of time because I'm chatting, talking, right. moving things around, seeing how it looks. And then once I'm there, it's it's very quick shooting five minutes or so um, to get stuff. And then once I feel I've, like I've gotten a handful of really good shots from a setup that I've dialed in, then I will take a break and move on and try and change something yeah. from there. Yeah. Um, the, the second session... Probably pretty similar. Um, with this one, I had to set up the, the backdrop paper as well. I, I have a stand that is permanently fixed with a gray, a black, and a white paper. But the colored papers, I have to use a, a temporary stand mm -hmm. that I bring up. So just getting the paper out alone probably took me five minutes to get that set up. Right. Um, and with wardrobe decisions and everything else, the, the laying down picture was, as I said, kind of a natural progression where we were probably shooting fairly seriously for 15 minutes okay uh, just just adjusting like i'd shoot a little adjust a little try something new he would do something and i'd say oh cool i like that let's play in that space right, right. yeah okay now let's move to the last couple of images that that i chose out of the recent stuff that i saw you post yeah this next i love this one this one's cool <laughs> <laughs> um okay so let's let's talk about uh background first do you yes. have a background or did you remove the background in this one um i had a background but i re removed that what that which was there yeah, um yeah. it was shot on white with white or with lights pointed at that white backdrop to get it as close to white as possible okay. um I tend to, to lean on the side of I would prefer my backdrop if i'm shooting white i would prefer my backdrop to just be kind of a light gray color and make the decision to go purely white later, uh -huh. um, but still have a little, like all of my detail in my edges versus it's really easy once you start pumping light onto your backdrop um, to get it to be pure white, that you will get lots of light reflecting back right. onto the person. You get this kind of haloed effect. Yep. Um, and I, I think I 
especially when I'm trying to move efficiently, I would much rather just do a quick selection because this this image, he's in all black except for his shoes on a fairly white background. Um, Photoshop makes that really easy to select out these yes. days. Yeah. Um, if you use your quick select tool, the whatever auto feature usually can get it in one try. You, you know, you go through and touch up a couple of details, but you're you're pretty close to doing a three minute maybe selection in total and getting it on a fully white background. Right. Right. And it, even something like uh, a luminosity masking plugin back yeah. makes it trivial too. You can just be like, okay, select this tone this luminosity value and there you go it's perfectly yeah. selected <laughs> yeah it's 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 fast enough that i don't really worry too much about getting a perfectly dialed in white as long as it's somewhere close yeah. um where i have enough contrast between my foreground and my background yeah. and one of the other things that i have found helpful because i do a lot of of this kind of work i, I yeah, specifically <laughs> want to have the athletes I, I shoot a lot of athletes so i want to extract them from the background and put them into another cool like template design thing that makes them look like they're on an ESPN magazine or something yeah, like that. Yeah, totally. And uh, and so I I prefer the whites to green. I have tried both. And oh yeah. The green you never get rid of it. You just you nope. don't. <laughs> green green is useful to have in your bank of tools if you're trying to work as a professional because there are softwares that yeah, yeah. when it doesn't matter like doing a photo booth or something where you want a lot of background replacements it is more efficient and faster Correct. to use a green, but it's never going to look realistic. Right. Um, it's it's definitely really hard to get rid of that green. Yeah, and if, you, if you're going to do volume sports photography where you are yeah. planning to extract like a whole team of athletes, individual shots of a team, then green is your best choice because like you said, there's automated tools that can take that out good enough, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's good it's enough good is, enough. is the, the key there. If you're looking for something that's high quality, you're not going to necessarily yeah. get it shooting on green. Okay. And, yeah. and so, but one of the keys that I learned painfully <laughs> was just not getting them too close to that bright background too. If you, the, yeah. the further away you can get them, the less of that haloing around the edges that you'll have. And then uh, it's, it, you end up with a better extraction, but that means some space too. That means, that means you got to have enough that you can shoot them and still have them all be on a white background and not off of it. And it, yeah, it's, a that, challenge. It, it's, it's difficult. The, the white background that I use in my studio is um, an extra wide one. It's, it's 12 feet wide. And because he was doing these, this jump in the air, that that proved to be an issue, right? Not having him too close to the background where I'd had a, a bunch of light spilling onto him, but also not being so far away that I was catching the edges too much of the edges anyway. Right. I, there's a very reasonable chance that I had to to crop out some of that, uh -huh. um, but that his feet and things like that weren't going off the edges of the paper, right? Okay, so you had some lights on the background just to make sure you got the the right uh, luminance of the background that you were hoping for. Yes. Uh, like left and right on the background. What what kind of lights? No modifiers. What was that like? Um. Yeah. So so I use. Um. Uh, I tend to use either just your regular like reflector dish on a strobe. Um. Sometimes I will grid that if it is a tighter shot. In this instance, I'm I used um, strip boxes. Okay. Um. Just just tall, skinny, soft boxes that I was able to to point. Yes, I use them on both sides and. Really, I, I was not super, super careful about dialing it in. Kind of what I, I keep in mind when I'm lighting my white um, backdrop is that because they're on the edge, you're always going to have brighter edges than you do your center. Yep. So I try to dial everything in where the center is close to white, but not perfectly white because my edges are going to be 
probably blown out white at that point. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. And then lighting the model, because you, you light the background separate from the model. So what yes. what was the lighting on the model? Looks to me like I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess key yeah, light. Let's, let's hear it. Key light left. Uh almost ninety degrees, like parallel with him. Okay. Am I right? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You were close. It, it is it is um so so I have the, the the camera left the right of the model. Um I have one that is um it, I, I have it maybe eight or nine feet away, okay. a, a large softbox that's al- almost touching the ceiling. Okay. Um, and th- I have that dialed in to be my key. He was wanting his face in the other direction of my key, which originally I was not keen on, but uh-huh. um, the effect that we got from it ended up working, yes. thankfully. Um, and then I, I had another one on camera right that was almost directly behind me that I was using for for Phil, also probably... 10 to 15 feet away. Yeah. Okay. Up to All right. The and so the one, the key light left camera left was up high. The, the fill light, was it more low because you, you're, he's looking downward. Was that looking into the light, the fill light? Um, no, no. Uh, in, in fact, I, I, I definitely didn't have the, the fill light quite as high up okay. um, it, as as my key, but it was still pretty high. Uh, all of this is thrown off a little bit because he was uh, jumping pretty high. Yeah. He, he, uh, I, I Well, I, I have no way to judge exactly how high it was, but it was <laughs> it, a jumping shot in general is really hard because you don't really know how high the person's going to jump. It's going to be inconsistent every single time. Uh-huh. So my tendency when doing a shot of this variety is to light a little bit higher and further away just so I'm probably getting something that's halfway decent. Right. I'm not going to uplight them because the light is up high enough. Okay. Um, but my fill, yeah, was probably probably sitting around seven or eight feet up and my my key light was as i said at the ceiling which i think i have about 13 foot ceilings in my studio studio uh okay now we didn't talk about camera settings so maybe we'll have to go back on the other two but for this one camera settings yeah did you go max sync speed on the shutter what how did you what did you do for shutter so I went max sync speed on on my shutter, but that's just generally where I shoot, yeah. which is still pretty slow. My sync speed is around um, one one twenty fifth, one two hundredth. I think that I I could easily do one two hundredth, one two fiftieth. I'm definitely starting to get that black bar uh-huh. on one side of my shutter starting to close. Um, so I I just shot it at one one twenty fifth as normal. Um, but something of note is that I I have two Einsteins in my studio, um, Paul Seabuff Einsteins, and they have an action mode, which shortens the flash duration. Uh-huh. Um, those of you using speed lights don't have to worry about this because your flash duration is already super short. Right. Um, for for me, it is um, less so. Uh, the the lower end policy buff, like the Alien Bees, their flash duration can vary pretty widely, and it's hard to free to freeze action. But with those set up as my two um, person lights, um, I end up getting a a decent action freezing um, flash. Right. So because of the the amount of time the flash is on, it's not really quite as important about getting a super fast shutter speed. Because yeah. that light is on for a very brief amount of time. And so for people who may be listening, like, what Greek did, <laughs> did Connor just <laughs> speak? That was crazy. 
I will try to remember to put some links in the show notes to some other episodes I've done, either on Photo Taco or here on Master Photography. I've talked about some of those concepts in a lot more detail. I don't want to go into it here, but there's yeah, there's a lot yeah. more detail there. It's it's not a hard concept to grasp once you get it, but it's it's still one of those things that seems kind of counterintuitive um, when everything you've been learning is shutter speed slows action, right? And then you go, but if you're using flash, you need to not rely on shutter speed, right? You go, yep, yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing how it works. Uh, let's go through the last. Day. Well, actually, before we move on, just basic yeah. settings, like maybe maybe talking, remind people because I think you you kind of start your settings on the same with every shoot. So what what kind of app Aperture do you start at? Um, I, I like to shoot somewhere in the middle of my aperture. I, I shoot around f8 is my starting point. And then depending on, in this instance, because I'm using four lights, I'm willing to adjust my camera settings if I need to. Um, but I, the reason I start around f8 is because it gives me some latitude. I can stop down if I have something set perfectly um, in, in ratio, where if, if I have two lights that are set exactly right, I don't want to have to dial both of those lights down exactly so many stops and have that perfect. I'll adjust my camera up or down um, based on that. My my shutter speed is almost always 1 one twenty-fifth of a second. If I'm shooting something studio and you look at the comments on any of my Instagram things, I always post my camera settings. It's always 1 one twenty-fifth. Like you, I, I don't change that ever. Mm-hmm. And then usually, almost always, I'm shooting at ISO 100. Um, the, the shots that I did with, with Johnny, his lights were less intense than mine. They were less powerful. So I, I left my other two settings the same. And I think I was shooting at, um, maybe ISO 250 or 400, somewhere in there. Gotcha. Okay. Let's move to the last image that we're going to cover in this episode. So now we have a really tight headshot, uh, models wearing a hat and it looks like you know, like kind of purposely trying to hide the eyes, make it a mysterious yeah. kind of feel. Uh, it's mostly it's black and white. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It's it's black and white with. Um, I I used a copper undertone. I used Silver FX Pro or whatever it is from the Nick collection uh-huh. um, to do all of my black and white. And I wanted something. His his jacket. And obviously his skin tones have this kind of coppery brown tone to them. Um, and I, I wanted to almost have a question for a second where you, where you were debating, is this black and white or right. color? And that, it works because so I kind of was like, I think it is, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome to, to hear you going through a thought process that's similar to what I was, was shooting for. That's, that, that's great to know it works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and and so uh, he, he's he's facing left in the image. Yeah, um, it's got almost a high key background, but not too much. It's it, there's definitely still some tones there that you can yeah. have. Uh, it's it, and and then the interesting thing is there's there's like this rule photographers hear about at the beginning of like don't cut off the head, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's probably it's a good rule for most to follow when you first started going, but you've cut off the head here, and it totally works so first off background is it the same white yeah background is the same white this is actually a pretty good representation of where i light my backgrounds before i i try to key out the background in this case i didn't care that it was not a perfect 100 white in fact i didn't want it to be because i felt it would be a a little too distracting it would be too eye-catching if it was pure pure white um the up above the brim of his hat, you can see this gray that's probably actually a little bit darker than what it was before. I think that that's a little bit of the processing in Nick bringing that down to a more um, 
subtle mid-tone, but this is around where I shoot with those lights, what it actually looks like before I've Photoshopped it. How far away from the background do you think he is? Um, he's, he's probably, um, six feet, seven feet. Okay. Um, not, not super, super far away. You can see both on his nose, his lips, and kind of just right behind his ear, you get some, some highlight on, um, the musculature of the back of his neck yep. that is actually spill from the, those lights that are lighting the background. Um, not so much that it's problematic at no, all. In no. fact, I think it enhances things. It but, does. It uh, adds to the image. Yeah. But, but yeah, just the, that there is from the backdrop itself. So he is a little bit closer than I, what I would have if I was really trying to make sure that I was keying him out. And, okay. And then, so you lit the, did you use the exact same lighting on the background here as you did before? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. I, I moved him in closer to that, okay. but it's the same lighting that I had before. Um, I doubt that I, I changed it because um, I actually have to walk over to dial those ones down. <laughs> okay. They don't accept my triggers very well. So um, usually I will leave those if I have those set up. Right. Um, if they're in place, they're at the same settings gotcha. and I'll dial everything in around them. Okay, perfect. And then lighting on the model. Yes. Okay, so I want to uh, guess again. Yeah, let's, let's let's hear it. <laughs> I'm probably going to be wrong, but I like it. It helps me to learn when I try to yeah. guess what the lighting is, um, and that's what I do when when I'm trying. Like I, I would take an image like this and be like, I want to try to replicate this. I want to figure out what I have to do, and that means guessing at the light and putting them in. And like, nope, that's not the look. So got to change something. Okay, so there is definitely got to be something a, a lot more overhead because there's shadow coming from the brim of the hat down onto the face. So something, yeah. uh, I'm going to guess, key light, right, kind of high, and uh, maybe there's a little fill from the left, but there's also looks to me like, well, it's probably just like you said, spill from the background. There's definitely some highlights on the left and the right of the image, but it's probably spill from the background. How did I do? You, you did pretty close with that one. Um, for me, I still would think of my key as the light that I have to camera left, even though that's mostly lighting the brim and the shadow that's coming underneath it. If you look at his ear, you can see uh, I had one light, um, what I would consider my secondary, but really it's, it's kind of a toss up between which one was really my key and which one was my sure, fill. Okay. They, were, they were at a pretty similar level. Okay. Um, but you can see on the ear where the highlights are being cast. I have one that's almost directly behind me. Um, and then I have one that's kind of on my camera left that I think of as the key because it's the one that I had much closer to him. Okay. But um, realistically, the key is whichever one is doing the primary lighting. Right, in the scene. Right. And that, that might not be the case, especially since I'm lighting the hat. Sure. But it's a black hat that is then casting a shadow across his face. So that part that is my key, quote unquote, is actually darker than what my fill is in this instance. Okay. All right. All right. Very cool. I love it. There, there's some really stunning images, and uh, you did. Uh, it, it was. It looks like a fun, fun project. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Both of these were were really a lot of fun and forced me to do a, a lot of things that I wouldn't otherwise do. And um, especially being being where I am, I've I've been feeling very much in a rut with personal work. Like I. You always get that fear where maybe I can't do anything else. Maybe this is the only thing that I know how to do because it feels so natural at a certain point. And this was a great thing where you go, whew, okay, I can do something that's not just the exact same thing over and over. Right. Okay, so here's here's what we were hoping to kind of do with this episode then. We've just gone through a creative couple of shoots that Connor went through 
and produced some some really fun images that uh, that pushed him a little bit, made him get outside of his comfort zone. We want you to do the same thing. We want all of you mm-hmm. during this trying time. That's all I'm going to say about it. During this, this time period, we, we, some of you may have a lot of time in your hands too. So we really want you to use that to be creative. And so we are going to have a bit of a photo contest here. And yeah. here's here's the prizes that we worked out. And I hope it's something that, that you all are, get excited about. We'll see. We'll see what the reaction is. <laughs> it's not gear. So <laughs> that would yeah. get people way excited <laughs> if it was gear. But uh, the prizes, we're going to give away four things just to random entrance. So like just entering your photo enters you to win. It doesn't matter what the image is or what it looks like. If, if uh, you enter, you are entered to win. And that is uh, one of four 30-minute sessions. Uh, Brent is going to offer a mentoring session, 30 minutes with Brent. Connor, a mentoring session, 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, Erica, a business-focused 30 minutes uh, session. And then uh, I'm going to offer a 30-minute editing session. We take some of your images and I will edit them and uh and record the video so that you can you can see what i would do with them how i would approach the edit a lot of photographers seem to learn a lot that way from from how someone else would approach an edit so those are the prizes that will be awarded just based on randomness we're going to pick four random people out of the whole group of people who submit their images and we're going to give them those prizes and and just as as a note about that, the reason that we're doing that as a random drawing is because we don't want anybody to feel limited, like they're not good enough to, right. to be here. We want everybody to have a fair chance at winning a prize like this because sometimes I, I know how it can be. If you're in a merit-based photo contest, you always question whether or not your stuff is good enough. And right. the whole point here is just try something. Try to make something that is cool, unique, different. Just push yourself to do something new and you will be entered into a drawing to get one of these. Also, asterisk next next to my prize, it's a 30-minute mentoring session with me in which you can talk to me about whatever you want. Um, It's probably going to be closer to an hour because I'm (laughs) long-winded. I think that's probably going to be the case with all of us. We're saying 30 minutes, (laughs) but it'll probably end up being longer. Guaranteed 30 minutes at least. (laughs) Right. Okay, so so that's what we wanted to do. If you are on the beginning end of your journey into mastering photography, you just picked up your camera recently, you don't really know how to use it very well, we want you to enter. We want you to go and create an image. Do the very best you can. Try your hardest to create something that's creative and compelling with the skills you have and, and put it in. Enter the image. We really want to just have everyone make the effort, do what you can and do it. Uh, we do need to have winners though. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're still going to do this. This is what we're going to do for the, some of the others. We are going to pick what we, we're going to have to have a, a judge debate <laughs> between yes. all of us on what are the top 10 entries that we're going to get over this, this photo contest. We're going to come up with the top 10 and then I think we're going to do an episode where we'll try to get as many of us on at the same time as we can. And we'll just go through that top 10. We'll walk through yeah. kind of what impressed us about those images, uh, analyzing them a little bit like we are here in this episode. Uh, but we're not going to have all of the artists that created the images come on and talk about it. We're just going to go through them and, and talk about what we liked, what drew our eyes, why why we wanted to make them one of our top 10 images. What, what made them successful. Yeah, yeah, what made them stand out among all the entries. And then the we will pick one best of 
con- for the for the contest. And if they want to, if the artist wants to, you don't have to, but if the artist wants to, we'd love to have them come on and talk with us about their image. How did they create it? What was the thought process behind it? Like I did with Connor just now. And, uh, and that's going to be the top winner can do that if they choose. They don't have to, yeah. <laughs> but if they choose to, they can do that. And and we'll, we'll say if in that, if in that episode, they want to ask a question or something, need some mentoring advice. Whoever's on, we will we'll do our best sure, to do that. Sure. And I I will even say if they really really don't want to be on the episode, I'll throw up another mentoring. Oh, session okay, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so that's the prizes. That's what we're we're planning to do. Here's the rules, and you got to make sure you follow all of them, or you're not going to be in the in the contest here. So. The first one is you have to create the image between the date of this episode, which is March 19th, 2020, and we're going to run it for a month. We want you to over the next four weeks to do stuff to enter this contest. So we'll end it on April 19th. Um, So that'll be like, you know, as long as it's something Flickr says was uploaded before April 20th, then you're in. Yes. Uh, we chose Flickr here for our entry contest. We didn't want to pay for a platform for this, <laughs> so that's part <laughs> of the reason. Uh, Flickr's a pretty accessible kind of tool for sharing photos. It does mean you have to go and create a free Flickr account to enter, but we figured that should be minimal resistance <laughs> to making that happen. Uh, it's just better than trying to share on Facebook. That doesn't work very well for a photo contest. Instagram no. is really tough to be able to track that. So we'd love to have you share them in uh, Instagram and tag us. So that would be awesome if you want to share it that way too. If you're really proud of your image, share it for sure. But if you want it in the contest, you have to go to Flickr. There's a link in the show notes. It's a Flickr group we created for this. It's a group we'll probably reuse for future contests that are similar to this. Now, there's a couple of different modes that you can have in the Flickr group. There's a fully public anyone can join group. Anyone with a even a, a free Flickr account can join. Or there's one that's invite only. And I toyed around with invite only, but it means we'd have to actually invite you b- via your email address for everyone that wants to enter. And, and that's too much work. So we're not doing that. Yeah. This is going to be a fully publicly available thing, which means if people search like photo contest and Flickr, it's possible they'll come up against this and you know submit their images. We want listeners to be the ones who enter the show so to distinguish between listeners and some random photographer who's sharing an image you have to tag it hashtag creative juices all together all lower you got to hashtag it that we wanted to get these creative juices flowing that way we'll know you're a listener i'm we're only sharing that hashtag instruction in the show notes and here in the audio podcast it's not in the rules that we posted out on Flickr, which does have all of the rest of the rules, but it's missing this one component so that we make sure it's listeners who are in the photo contest. So if you don't tag it, it won't get counted. It's not an entry into the Flickr group. You've got to tag the photo. Uh, It only is going to allow the group is set up this way. It's another reason we chose Flickr. You get one image per day. So you can put in, what is that? uh, Four weeks worth. Yeah. 30 images or so if you want to, uh, that you have to create them during that time period. 
and you get one a day to be able to put in there. So that that's good. And then please keep the images safe for work. Um, you know what that is. We don't need to explain anything more there. <laughs> that's, yep. that's what we need. Okay, so those are the rules. That's what we want you to do. And we expect you people to really like, come on, Master Photography Nation. Let's see some images. Let's go create something cool out of the, you know, the time that we have right now and, and get those creative juices flowing. And it, yeah, to clarify, just one one more point. These these really can be anything, anything, anything that you shoot whatsoever. The the whole idea is that lots lots of us are having to do the social distancing thing. So we just want you to to get out there and try something, whether it be something new. I would encourage you just for your own development's sake, try something new that you haven't done before. But um, this this is not specifically portrait related, despite the fact that this has been a portrait focused episode. Right, just, right. Just create something cool. Right. Not just portraits. Love to see your portraits, but landscape, Milky Way, composites, whatever you got. Macro. Macro. Stuff. Oh, yeah. I'd yeah. love to see some macro. So bring it on. Whatever you are interested in shooting, wherever you're trying to create Get creative. Go go create those images and share them with us. And uh, let's see what we can come up with. It's going to be. I'm I'm really really excited. Um, and by the way, if you're in the Facebook group, you already knew about this. <laughs> I already posted all this stuff a couple of days ahead of time, and so you got a little tiny jump start on this whole thing. And uh, it's just one of the benefits of being in the Facebook in our in our community that is currently in the Facebook group. So there you go. All right, let's let's close up the show here. Uh, doodads of the week, Connor. What's your doodad of the week? So my doodad of the week is it's a little bit bigger than our normal doodads. Okay. It's it's obsidian backdrops. Um, these these backdrops are something that I got to look at when I was in the studio working with Johnny. They are gorgeous hand painted uh, backdrops. It's a small business. I actually reached out to the owner of this company just to see if he wanted me to mention anything because they're they're really great and I know that it's a newer company that's trying to get off the ground. Um, so some points that he wanted me to mention was that they're they are high end artisan backdrops at an affordable price. They really are affordable for for being a hand painted um, canvas backdrop. Those things can be. Ten twenty thousand dollars, and and even the biggest is under a thousand. So wow. these things are 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 really great. Um, they they do specialize in custom backdrops backdrops to help make your vision what you want it to be. And they have a fine artist painting the backdrops. It's a guy who's been doing fine art for like the last fifteen years or so who is making these. So they they have some that are already pre made and others that are customized. And I they're just a really cool company. Um, from what I can tell, both Johnny was telling me about them and then talking with the owner, they seem really great. And I wanted to to give them a little bit of love and a plug. And assuming I can get Johnny's permission to use the photo, um, there is a, a self-portrait that he took in front of his obsidian backdrop that is just awesome. That's really cool. Okay, yeah, well, assuming we get permission, you can look for that in the show notes. All right, my doodad is Denoise AI from Topaz Labs. If you've been spending much time recently in Facebook, like if you do searches about photography stuff and then you go to Facebook or Instagram, you've likely seen an ad for this because they that's how it works. <laughs> Whatever you're searching, <laughs> you get ads uh, against those searches. And you've probably seen some ads from Topaz Labs on their Denoise AI product. And I saw all this advertising for it and I thought that would be a really good photo taco episode. Do like buy the tool. And so I did. I bought it with my own money. They did not give it to me. It wasn't influenced by Topaz. They weren't funding it or asking me to do the review. I just decided to go give it a try and and have it be something that I thought listeners could benefit from to know. 
okay, is this tool actually something really fun, good to have, or is it marketing? Because <laughs> it, yeah, I have been seduced by marketing plenty of times, to only <laughs> to find it didn't live up. Like they, the images in the marketing were like the three images in the world where it worked it would work for their program. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and is that the case here? Because of course they've got really cool before and after images on what the tool can do, but it's the proofs in the pudding. Does it work on real images? So I spent the last month uh, going through and putting hundreds of my noisy images through the tool to see how it, how it stacks up. And specifically, I wanted to compare it against what you can do in Adobe Camera Raw, which is, means what you can do in Lightroom in the develop module. There's the detail panel that where you can go and change sharpness and noise reduction. Uh, in Photoshop, you have exactly the same tools. It's called the Adobe Camera Raw filter there. And um, it, I wanted to compare against that because that's what most of you have. Most of you listening have access to that already. Is this Denoise AI better or can you get better results from that than you can Adobe Camera Raw? So I also have a 6,500 word <laughs> show note blog post with plenty of high res examples where I show you 100%, 200% views of those noisy images. The final verdict is, yeah, I, I think the tool is pretty cool. It's uh, it's worth having in your toolbox. At 80 bucks, it's almost an in impulse buy kind of price. Uh, maybe a little over the top, a little expensive for it, but not bad. And if you are a low light photographer or a photographer who is shooting in low light conditions consistently, it's worth having in the toolbox. It, I don't guarantee every image is gonna be better going through the tool. And there's definitely some downsides. I walked through it in the, the episode. If you're interested, just go into the show notes or go over to Photo Taco and, and see the episode where I, I detail kind of stuff that's there. But uh, it's worth having as a tool in the toolbox if you want to make an image. Like if you had a client say, I really want to print this one 40 by 60 and hang it on the wall. And you're like, oh boy, there's a little noise in there. I want to see, and you want to get the very best possible way to deal with it. It's worth running it through this tool just to see, can I get a better result than I can with others? So it's worth having. All right. That is the end of this episode. Thanks everyone so much for joining. We want to remind you all the show notes are available over at masterphotographypodcast.com. This episode would be tough to follow if you don't see the images. So go check out the show notes that are there. You can join our Facebook group. Our community is over in Facebook, Master Photography Podcast. You can just search for that. You do have to name a host on the show to join. We will not let you in if you don't do that. So uh, you can name Connor or Jeff, and we'll we'll let you in. And then uh, we do have an Instagram account for the show, Master Photography Podcast. If you want to share your images that you're entering into the photo contest and still tag us, we'd love that so that we can maybe even reshare some of those images. Um, let us know that it's there. And you can find my work over at jsharmanphotos.com or my show, I already mentioned, Photo Taco Podcast. I go through a lot of like tech, technical geeky stuff trying to make it so it's something normal people can understand. <laughs> That's how my wife puts it all the time. Uh, my personal Personal Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook stuff is there too. Connor, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Connor Hibbs Photography, where I am not super active, but you can see my work. <laughs> okay. You can see photos that we've been talking about on, on this episode, right. as well as in the show notes. Um, you can also find my work on my website at ConnorHibbs.Photography. Excellent. Okay. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening, and we'll see you again in another seven days.
month that I missed. Uh, Dude, but I'm we're just having trying an earthquake. To... Are you? I see everything shaking. Yeah, I just had an earthquake. Everything okay? Was it big? It was the biggest one I've ever felt. Do you need to go Holy check on smokes. things? smokes. No, no, I, I'm okay. Are <laughs> <Holy laughs> you <cow>. sure? <laughs> At least for right now, I'm okay. Wow. Okay, well, if we need to pause for a minute. We... <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Please clip that out and put it at the end of the show. <laughs> Holy cow. I don't believe this. That was insane. Yeah, no, that was crazy. Like, I saw your mic, like, wiggling everywhere. We just had, like, a massive earthquake. That's crazy. Holy smokes. Yeah, this is not a normal thing for Utah, by the way. I mean, no, we... no, I, I, I'm aware. I've taken geology. I know <laughs> where some, my tectonic but... plates are. That's odd. Oh my gosh! Well, that was just a little crazy. Okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's <laughs> let's go back to uh, like introducing the. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> what were you on when I so? Uh... I have no idea, man. <laughs> 